All right, everyone. Welcome to episode 13 of the Ionosphere. I am Garrett Daly. You should know me by now. We have Ryan Fellman. Yes, sir. Pat's mailing is here. Ryan Fellman. I think everyone knows me by now. I got a semi-viral tweet going on telling you guys not to watch porn because apparently that's controversial today. And if you need to learn how to stop doing that, there's a small chapter that talks about keeping your you know, hand off your dick in my book, Reclaim Your Manhood. And there's a lot of better chapters in there, but that one's pretty, actually it's not that explicit, believe it or not. Um, and I help men reclaim their masculinity. Next. Really putting the hard and hard hitting right there. Chris <laughs> And hard on. Uh, yeah, so <laughs> I, I'll, I'll say, uh, yeah, my name is Chris. I've done a few of these before. So um, just I'll plug my book, and that's basically at Masculinity in the 21st Century Primer, which is basically a compendium of a bunch of different contributions, including uh, one Garrett Daly and one Benji, uh, who is joining us here today. So it's going to be, it's, it's, I think it's great. And for 10 bucks, uh, you know, can't beat it in my view. So oh, that's all I'll say. All right, Brad Ruka. Hey out there, I'm your Kung Fu uncle. Uh, I translate material for Kung Fu, Taoist meditation, philosophy. Get me at sicknesskungfu.com. All right, James Connors, or handsome James, as we called him. Uh, thanks, Gary. It's, uh, it's been a few episodes since I've been here, uh, but it's going to be back. I am a uh, psychology student. I'm really interested in ontology, the study of uh, of systems and being and that kind of thing. So looking to see what we get into here. And last but not least, Benjamin George. What's up, everyone? I'm Benjamin George. If you don't know who I am yet, well, you'll eventually find out. Awesome. Uh, we also are probably going to have, as has become tradition, some random people popping in at inopportune times. So this is going to be a, probably a pretty big episode. This is at least bigger than the last couple ones we've done. Today, we are going to be talking about self-made men and the concept of like rugged individualism, pulling yourself up by your bootstraps, that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, so does anyone want to take the lead on that? Okay. Go ahead and start, but I got one quick thing. There is Kylie Jenner who is a self-made billionaire <laughs> and we had a discussion about this. I just asked my followers if they gave a shit about Kylie Jenner and I got 10 votes so far and every single vote said they don't give a shit. So next. No, um, here, I'll, 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 I'll jump in. here to tell I'm, you how, how he does this. Sorry about Kylie Jenner. Sorry. Yeah. I, I'll do that. It's my turn? Okay. Um, we'll start first with like, um, individualism and uh, basically if, if you can become self-made. And um, I'll just add a quick thought in how everyone, I don't know if like, if you know the narrative fallacy, which basically is, is like looking in hindsight, you look at the few dots that you want to connect and form a narrative from. And uh, basically we can all form a narrative wherever we reach, wherever, whichever point we reach in life. We can always reach a, a point where we look back and said, okay, these were the factors that made me reach this point. So therefore, I'm going to connect them for my story and it's much easier for me to remember. But then it doesn't take into account other different factors, randomness, any other possibility. So whenever someone says that they're self-made, they, they can be in part where their drive, their motivation, their, their hunger can can um, let them reach a certain point. But we, we can't forget of... Those who were before us, our parents, our family, our friends, our surroundings, our, you know, people talk with the concept of privilege and stuff. 
um, basically all the other factors that we couldn't really choose from. I don't know if like if you follow math, you have a uh, you have a graph and a and a line. Where the line cuts in the in the y-axis is is the base, and the 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 value that x has is the is the slope of the is the slope of the line. So basically, what we cannot change is is uh, the value that y the the value that cuts y. That's that's our background. That's our family. That's our our upbringing. That's our I don't know. We're all here born in the West. Say if you're born in I don't know in in Tahiti, you know. So it's like obviously you're gonna have a you're gonna have less chances, less opportunities. So that's what we can't control. That's like the cards that we're that we're given with it, that were dealt with at birth. What we can control, what can make us more or less more self-made, I will say, is the the value that we give the X to see where we can get that. Excellent. All right, Chris. Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's one thing, and it, it's something that it's it's very appealing. Once again. Uh, let it be known that Benji said the term the West before I did. So um, I'll just, just point some fingers now. But I think it, it's one thing to approach your life like it's the beginning of a video game where you basically get to choose your attributes, you get to choose what, what, what you're good at or what, what your character is going to be invested in. But unfortunately, um, life really isn't that way. You're, you're kind of dealt a certain uh, set of cards that you have to kind of play at strategic times and to the best of your ability. Um, there was very little chance of me being in the NBA, just for, based purely on genetic reasons. Um, despite how how hard I would have liked to ha have been a professional basketball player or professional any kind of sports player, um, I think I think my my opportunities there uh, were were in a sense limited. And I think it's it's an idealism in a sense to think of of your life in a purely self made capacity. Um, and I think a lot of people, when they hear something like that, they, they automatically think, oh, there's no such thing as true accomplishment, or you're, you're just denigrating people who have overcome obstacles. And I, that, that's, that's also not the case. I think, I think Benji had a good point. Um, he lost me a little bit in the beginning when he, when he brought up math in a totally unnecessary way. But uh, I, 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 I will say that um, if, if, you, if you think of the, the capacities that you have that, that are innate to you, and then your potential of using those capacities, um, that's where you kind of get the, the self-made kind of thing. And that's, I think I believe was Benji's x-axis. Um, and you can, uh, people all the time squander opportunities. Uh, people, people that we think are doing really well in a self-made self kind of capacity, like the, the, I'll just say rip to the lead man to the prodigy, uh, Flint, who, who passed away recently. I mean, you can think of all these people that are self-made in a sense and having all the things in the world, but are still kind of missing out on on something, uh, something bigger, I'll say. I'll just leave it at that. Ryan. Yeah, that's good. Um, I'm gonna go a little contrarian on this one and uh, I, not to disagree with any of you guys, I'm just bringing a different viewpoint here. Um, but <clears throat> I think most of us are familiar with the concept of the hero's journey where essentially you start from nowhere, you go out into the world and you, um, you, you face some challenges. And the important part of this is that you hit rock bottom at some point. And as you hit rock bottom, you come back with something you learned from hitting rock bottom and you bring this back to exactly where you were in this resurrection and you're a changed man or woman and you're, you've completely done a 180 and this whole story arc, which is done in Star Wars and um, like Lord of the Rings are good examples, but it's in a lot of movies. Um, Top Gun, believe it or not, as it turns out, find out in my email tomorrow. <laughs> Anyway, um, some of these self-made 
people that we're talking about that had it too good from the beginning are in a way robbed of this hero's journey where they don't have a chance to necessarily hit rock bottom unless you're like Britney Spears and decided to shave your fucking head off. Um, but most of these guys have it so good that they don't have real adversity and it's a challenge for them. Um, I didn't necessarily grow up wealthy, but I grew up pretty well. And it's something that I kind of thought about a lot, although I did end up hitting rock bottom a little bit in some ways, uh, as I talk about in my podcast, in my divorce, um, in my podcast with James, James P. Dowling. And um, what's interesting with like some of these people that aren't self-made is that, you know, they, they have no struggle, so they don't have the opportunity or the necessity to develop their character into becoming a true hero or whatever you want to call it. Nice. Benji? Yeah, so like, um, there's, um, there's two things I want to bring up. Uh, one of them is like what, we, what Chris and Ryan have been talking about is maybe we could trace this to like the old debate, age old debate of uh, nature versus nurture kind of thing. And uh, the other one I want to bring is all of us here, I mean, we're all either living in America or living in Europe. So like maybe for what, it's, it's all, it, it brings in a relative sense because maybe we'll believe, I mean, we'll see it people ahead of us and say, oh, they had it good. And we had some guy in a poor country in Asia or something like that. We'll look at us and say, well, what the hell are these guys complaining from? You know, so it's like, that's what, what I meant with um, basically the cards were dealt with. Okay, maybe we don't have um, two aces to play poker with, but maybe we've got, you know, a seven card. And um, it's, all, it's all about perspective, really. And um, this is where I, I want to go with, uh, to segment it into like maybe nature versus nurture kind of thing. Because the way we see rock bottom is also, it's different. It's, it's not really that controversial, but I think that anybody that's successful in life is because they were a loser when young. Because if you can get goals when you're, when you're in your teens, you're not going to worry about anything after that. If you can, if you to improve, is you have to, like what Ryan said before, you have to have like really hit rock bottom, you know, like you have to, I don't know, either suck at relationships, suck at friendships, uh, suck at, suck at, realize a, to do an exercise of introspection and say, okay, I'm not as cool as I think. I should get some shit going on. I should um, go forward. I should improve. You know, it's, I need to be, you need to be hungry to, you know, see a fat lion running after a gazelle and say, dude, I'm, I'm fat, you know, I've already had enough plenty of gazelles. You know, it's like, it's the hungry ones that need to go hunting because if not, they, they bloody die. So I, um, I don't have to, uh, to take it any further from this. Or have, It's good to talk about nature versus nurture in, in this sense. Gotcha. Well, we have a surprise guest number one, Alan Steele. Do you want to introduce yourself? I uh, think so you, you just did it, Alan Steele. <laughs> yeah, that's him. Yeah. He's got a haircut. He looks good. Nice. All right. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah, I'm, I keep hearing this idea of uh, hitting rock bottom and that how, that's, the, how that relates to the nurture component of the nature versus nurture, right? So your environment has to do with you hitting rock bottom. So it's, it's just interesting to me that you guys keep uh, bringing this up as like, and that really gets at the idea of like being anti, anti-fragile in response to the circumstances. So uh, I know uh, one person who's written about this is Malcolm Gladwell. Uh, I, re- I read his book, uh, I think it's David and Goliath, um, where he talks about like how out uh, living in poverty as, when they were children and how that kind of creates a mindset of you know, necessarily striving and necessarily challenging yourself to grow and improve. Uh, so that's a very, very interesting, this, this idea of nature versus nurture is very interesting here because that rock bottom thing is a kind of anti-privilege and you have to be privileged with how you respond to that, how you naturally are predisposed to respond to that in an anti-fragile way. So it, that's, that's pretty complicated. Um, but yeah, that's, gotcha. yeah. I got something and then we're gonna here. go to Chris. So. Uh, one of the things on the note of rock bottom, this is something we talked about a bit in Five Pillars. That, well, I mean, not necessarily artificial, but like kind of like you said, anti-privilege, right? So you could start off as well off in the world as you want, but once you hit rock bottom, uh, if the circumstance is a fairly universal experience. Like there is a very, very common uh, 
there's a commonality to it that is shared amongst people experiencing rock bottom phenomenon, right? Think about a lot is that your brain doesn't necessarily know the difference between, uh, I guess you would call this like relative suffering. So if you're a really rich person and you end up homeless, that's going to be like you know, getting, uh, getting in a knife fight or something. You know, there, the extremity of experience, the brain only has a finite capacity to have bad things be class transmitters going on at once. So uh, essentially the rock bottom becomes like an equalizing force because wherever you're at when you started, once you're there, it's all you getting out. And like rock bottom experience, if someone helps you out, because you're just going to do it again. You, it's the learning to do that individually that teaches you the, the skills to really succeed. Yeah, I mean, um, so, Chris. And I think I, I think it's just kind of where, where, where privilege kind of comes into it. I'm not going to go into like innate privilege or anything about like racial or genes or anything like that. But if you were to say that this person who's from this SES class had all these kinds of privileges, then there's an interesting kind of distinction that has to be made because actually a whole bunch of nets in place uh, to, pr to prevent that, then they're basically just going to plow right through all these nets and hit rock bottom really, really, really hard. Um, so if you're, not, if you're not developing kind of an anti-fragile mindset, if you're not trained to deal with adversity kind of on a daily basis, um, then the, the first shock, the first major shock is going to be devastating. It's going to really, it's really going to either, either you're going to succumb to um, these massive pressures that have been inflicted on you, or you're going to emerge some, something really strong and be that kind of what we'll call a, a truly self-made person, which is this whole, this whole idea of confronting adversity uh, and to experience adversity. Everyone experiences adversity, but it's, it's that kind of, as, as James was saying, like the, the James and George or uh, Benji were, were saying, um, the, the keenness is going to be that uh, anti-fragility. And I think when we talk about privilege, one of the, one of the bad uh, outcomes of having, let's say, too much privilege is that you're not um, experiencing uh, these kinds of stressors that other people use to get stronger. Yeah. All right. So uh, I believe we're going to go Benji, Ryan, Brad. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad uh, Chris mentioned this because it was just about um, more or less in field where I was going to talk about. Um, okay. So when we say that like, the concept of anti-privilege is, is anti-privilege anything like that or in unfavorable conditions, but it does give you, I think the opportunity of, uh, if, if, it, if everything goes well, obviously it does give you the opportunity to, uh, to, um, to become self-made, to become, uh, is, is, yeah, oh yeah, you know, like, I know I could get flack from this, you know, from any person in unfavorable conditions saying, you know, like, fuck you, you know, like, uh, I don't want to be proud to be able to come out of this because I can't come out of this, you know, I'm not saying that. It's, so obviously we only hear the end, you know, and they, they overrepresent in the media, you know, nobody wants to say sorry of the guy who started at shit and couldn't get out of it, basically. So like here I wanted to um, point out, today, for example, in the news here in Spain, it was made the news, uh, Gabriel, but a bit of controversy because apparently his children, he was like, he's a really good football player, he's, he's a millionaire and stuff like that, but his children work in a, in a, in a library. And the people were like saying, well, why are your children working in the library? And said, look, my children could have had everything in life, but they wouldn't have had that. Umbria was basically manliness. But they said, I would have robbed them from the experience of building something themselves. You know, it's like, they drive a shittier car than me, but they know that that car's theirs and they're proud of it. And they don't want me to die of hunger because I mean, I can provide for them, but I wanted them to, uh, to be able to work for it for themselves, you know, to be able to be proud of their work, to be able to... Uh, to be able to build something themselves. And the last thing I'd say now that cars, they were born poor as fuck. Football is soccer for everybody else. As they were born really, really poor. It's like you see, like the, it's, the, it's the typical, uh, I don't know, archetypical, archetypical story. You're born in the favelas in Brazil, play football bare, barefoot. You don't even play with a ball. You don't even play with anything. And the only thing is football, 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 football. It's the only way to reach out of poverty and they become superstars. You never hear any rich kid becoming a superstar and become successful because they already more or less are. Okay, so before I go to Ryan, uh, two things. Is, is there a reason, is there an important distinction between anti-privilege and I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure. I only heard the term so, anti-privilege uh, today for the first time. 
Okay, cool. So I, I just wanted to clarify that there is a really good quote uh, or a story, like a Zen Buddhist story, where there's a student who goes to find the master. He says, master, I want to be enlightened. The master says, all right, come on. They go for a walk. They walk down to the river. Hey, and he's drowning him. He's drowning the student until he's like almost dead. He pulls him out of the water and he looks at him. He says, hey, come back when you want to be enlightened as badly as you wanted air right now. And he throws the guy. That, I mean, really, that, and that ties into the rock bottom thing. And rock bottom kind of forces you to say, well, if I keep living the shit life that I'm living or I keep living this way that's not fulfilling, it's going to kill you. If you're a junkie or something and you're strung out, almost dead, you overdose, right? That's it. You're like, well, I can keep doing this, but I'm going to die. And I'm very lucky that I didn't. So it's that kind of that. I think you get that from poverty and you get that from adversity. And a lot of people, I mean, I would say that's probably in no small part why society is the way that it is now. Because people, you know, everyone wants to think they're not hyper privileged. So they manufacture this uh, feeling of being oppressed or like, they're, you know, somehow living in the first world is this horrible oppression. And they're like, so there's an interesting um, economic term called moral hazard, and most people don't know what this is, but what moral hazard is, it's a term for um, people or companies that are in a position where if they fuck up, if they fail, if they go bankrupt, they're going to get bailed out, but they know this before going into it, and that's the problem. It's okay to bail somebody out after they screw up, and this became a topic of discussion after the 2008 financial collapse, because by bailing out these banks, it encouraged them to take riskier bets. And they knew that if they failed and didn't get their big windfall, the government taxpayers would bail them out. This on, people are becoming more privileged in a sense that, for the most part, people aren't struggling the same way we used to be. Like, there's definitely problems, there's poverty, but I mean, I graduated college 10 years ago and world poverty was a significant problem for a significant portion of this world. It's still a problem today, but if they fail, they don't starve. So, and this is an extreme example, but we're losing our sense of survivorship where we have to go out there and crush it we have to win or literally we could die you're not going to die someone's probably going to bail you out in some way and it's becoming even more aggressive that if wants to promise you universal base income and we keep pushing more safety nets and it's not making our lives better and i'm not saying we should intentionally make our lives harder but there is something to be said for having to go through hardship and coming out because of what you learn yeah, while go, struggling uh, brad alan chris the thing that keeps striking me um in all these examples has been uh, the clear distinction in the mindset that uh, is automatically implied. Uh, the, the people who, you know, to bring it back to the self-made aspect, the people who are self-made have the devout look. You know, if they're in a good position, they make the most of the, of the opportunities they're presented with that they're born into, the privilege they have. They find themselves in a negative position. They don't give up immediately, create more opportunities and return to the ideal state of you make good choices and you're in a good position. The uh, whole accusation of privilege, you know, as we've all seen on the internet, usually comes from people who made bad decisions. You know, they were sort of left to deal with it on their own, and they had no ability or intention to deal with it on their own. Yeah, Alan? Uh, well, I, I made a couple notes here. Um, I, I obviously missed the, the very beginning of this, so uh, excuse me if I cover something that, that's already been covered. But uh, first, this idea of, of rock bottom uh, to me, I think it's important to, to think about it as being a subjectively determined level, because in my experience, you can always go go lower. There's an endless abyss of, of be a, a uh, what's, what's the phrase, post, post, fact, uh, post facto uh, construction, you know, about, well, I decided that this is the lowest that it could possibly be, um, because technically speaking, uh, I'd also just to play a little devil's advocate, I think it's important to, to recognize that it's not only uh, distaste of, of, let's say, bad conditions that motivates you to, to get better. It's also the taste for good things. 
so there's the carrot and the stick sort of out in a in a well-to-do uh, class or, or well-to-do lifestyle let's say you might be very motivated to work just to continue to get those good things now I agree it's probably not as strong a motivation as as the negative but uh, it's it's still a motivation um, and, and then I'm trying to remember what this is in response to in my field of, of classical music there's a lot of prodigies eight years old and they they just have an incredible skill um, and what tends to happen with those people is that they they fall off uh, in terms of their uh, their ability their skill whatever it is you know after if they if they if they were a great prodigy at eight then at 15 at 18 at 20 lose their edge uh, and a lot of the people who were not so naturally talented overtake them and I think there's there's something about uh, being in this sort of Goldilocks zone of sufficiently motivated by you know not being good enough by not not having enough by not being in the best position um, but of course if that's too far then also uh, you know, if you're completely at zero, it, it's not as if everybody can, can rise out of that. So I wouldn't say it's a, it's a, it's a clear equation there. I think there's sort of a, a Goldilocks zone. Yeah. Um, I believe Chris, James, Benji. So. Yeah, I'll, I'll try and, and hit on a, a couple things that were mentioned. And I always mean to take notes during these because someone always brings something up and I, and I don't get to, uh, and, and I don't get to respond properly. Um, I won't talk anything about football so that I will completely dis, just disregard <laughs> Benji and move on to the really important meat of the conversation. And um, I, I think it, it comes down to, um, once again, nurture kind of distinction, then pure, pure nurture is... Uh, basically a tabula rasa you everything is inscribed upon upon the person by society or by forces greater than the individual and where, where i think privilege it's it's a collectivist view of people because you can say oh you can't comment on that because you're you know a cis white man or whatever and it completely removes the individual from the equation any any hardships that that they've had to overcome any kind of resilience that that they built up in the interim has been completely thrown to the wayside because characteristic is then kind of compounded upon uh, by like a model of society and that model of society is of course some kind of hierarchy in which this this person part of this group is better off or has access to these kind of privileges that everyone else kind of doesn't and I think I think that's not 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 necessarily directly but in terms of the idea of building up a, a resilient spirit um, in in spite of all this is, is going to be kind of crucial going forward and um, path path mentioned uh, moral hazard and it, it's it's once again a, a tricky spot the uh, the footballer and and that is you want to have um, your children have access to, you know, of course, the, the best opportunities that they can, but you also don't want them to be spoiled. And that's like something that, that you, you can see a lot. I think anyone who's, who's probably may agree with on certain political matters or certain economic matters, but you, there's, there's a barrier there because there's something that they just don't quite get about having to go through some kind of authentic hardship. And that is, they, 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 there's this perpetual moral hazard, I guess you could say, in social interactions where every single time um, they, they're kind of buffered against. There, there's, always, there's always a safety net that, that's catching them. Um, and, and, and I think, I think that's kind of a, a part of authenticity too. I don't mean to start rambling, um, but I'm just going to like ideas now. And that is, um, people, people that have been through something are not only more resilient, but they're also something about someone who goes through a genuine hardship. Um, however that is defined, I think only, once again, only the individual can define what, what a hardship is, um, because it's all, it's all kind of comparative and subjective. Uh, so there's something really authentic about, like, there's not someone who's authentic. And I think all these kinds of terms are, are, are interrelated, so to speak. Sorry if that was really, 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 uh, really uh, suffering builds character, James. Yeah. Um, I really, I really like this discussion. I like, uh, how we're, how we're getting into the, the, like, um, Alan brought up the balance that's required, like the Goldilocks zone that's required for somebody to really thrive in an anti-fragile way. 
from a disadvantage. Uh, that's situational. Um, and we've kind of touched on a lot of different angles here. And so far, the discussion has been pretty polite. So let's take it in a little more controversial direction. So let's, let me pose this question. Do you think Donald Trump is this self-made man? And do you think he's on a hero's journey? Uh, like, and what, are you, what are you guys' thoughts on that? So I want to, I want to jump in first. Um, so there's, a, there's an, obviously, there's most definitely an element where he is privileged to a point that most came self-made millionaires or billionaires, right? Because you have growing up rich, growing up the child of a businessman, getting a world-class Ivy League education. On the other hand, he did go bankrupt multiple times and then made the money back, which I think is fucking really impressive. And I'm not a, I'm not a big fan of his, but I will give him credit for that. Most people don't repeatedly make the money back. And I think that is a testament to the type of person that probably i mean like if if you know anything about sales like high salesman right he's uh, before the election he's the god of all uh, hustle rappers right there's a shit ton of rap songs about donald trump because he's representative of the motto sell mixtapes on the street or sell crack or whatever that's uh that's the kind of mindset that you get into when you do high pressure sales and i know this because i sold three four hundred dollar hair straighteners for a long time seriously a massive massive head start that he has and there's a lot of stuff that he got because of that head start that most people will never be able to get like growing up with that stuff right because are raised to believe that you're the shit and all of your experiences lead you uh, like confirm that belief most people have to earn that but then there's a lot of people that could get all that with it so and i'm not saying he is the shit but i mean the shit is in the sense of the mentality which is like a sales thing so if you don't if you don't understand that go get a sales My turn. um yeah okay Benji? so um i'm gonna mention a few things okay now that you mentioned donald trump um Donald Trump is a prime example of, um, you know, how um, dominating the narrative because he's everything that he became a pop idol, a, a culture icon, um, all of this are ingrained in our minds as uber rich is because he did this program, The Apprentice. So because he, became, he did The Apprentice 15 years ago, he's had 15 years of projecting the image of Donald Trump music, you know, he appears as a cultural icon. It's all memetics at work, basically, and narrative, um, narrative warfare, if you want to call it or whatever. And uh, moving on from that, uh, a bit from that is because... Um, during this discussion, I know we mentioned uh, Kylie Jenner because there's some news connect. And uh, my first impression was, oh, fuck no, you know, she's not a, she's not a self-made uh, billionaire. But upon, upon discussing with you guys, I've had a bit of a change of heart. And I'm going to say she is, more or less. But hear me out. They are self-made in a sense. It's obviously they have further advantages than all of we have. I mean, we've got to, we've, we've got to take into consideration, we're more or less all of us come from a similar background. Have, uh, one can earn more, one can earn less, but none of us are either dirt poor, and none of us are either filthy rich. You know, we're all in the middle. So it's obviously people like Kylie Jenner, people like Donald Trump, we'll see at them and they say, oh, well, fuck no, they're not self-made because they started it. So for us here to there is obviously a really big distance. So um, anything that's above us, we'll see, well, they already had the privilege. But if we see, like I mentioned before, someone from Africa, someone from, I mean, that poor country in Africa, not all Africans are poor or anything like that. For us, a background says, well, at least you have jobs, you know, at least you guys, you know, studied at university or have the opportunity of studying at university, you know? So what, you, what the hell are you saying? Oh, you, you made six figures or you're the privilege, you know? It's like how we laugh or scoff. Well, maybe we had a small loan of a thousand dollars to go to university, you know? It's like, it's, it's, it's different perspectives, but in the end, we get, for example, a few thousand dollars and turn it into uh, six billion dollars into a billion dollars. And um, the whole point of, I think, I don't know if it was Uncle Sickness that said it or Alan said it, um, Kylie, Jenner, uh, Kylie Jenner, for example, we don't know who she compares herself to, for example, and it's, you know, but maybe she looks up to other people and maybe she has the hunger to say, I don't want to be, you know, like maybe her struggles, you know, like Maslow's hierarchy of needs kind of thing. Maybe her struggles obviously are not the same as ours, the same as ours. 
So maybe she does have her or Donald Trump, you know, maybe they do have the hunger. Maybe they do, they have this drive. Obviously, because of the scale of the money they can move and the resources they have and the people they know, they obviously can put a million dollars if you already earn six figures, then it's easier to earn uh, six figures if you only have a thousand. You know, it's like even, or any imaginary number which is exactly the same, once you've got more, it can work for you. So obviously they had, obviously Kylie Jenner or Donald Trump, they have an army of people, that, of competent people that will help them. That's what resources do. But in the end, you don't see other born millionaires become yeah, billionaires. A, that's for a good example. point. Uh, I'm not actually, there's four of y'all with your hands up, so I don't oh, know exactly. what order we're going in. Um, cool. I'll get to you in a second. So, um, I, that's part, of the, part of the issue that I take with this is the, a lot of this kind of discussion comes from a position of envy. And I'm not saying you guys are. Oh, I'm totally envious. In popular culture. I'm, I'm totally it's just like bitching, man. He's not re he really didn't get rich because he started out rich. It's like, dude, every single person in this country is in the top uh, one-tenth of one percent of everyone that's ever lived in the history of the world, right? Like everyone, everyone in the West is so born here. Even if you're born in fucking abject poverty, you can still go buy, you know, a thousand calorie burger for a dollar, you know? <laughs> like the, the degree to which uh, nutritious, very dense food is available is insane. We have four people that are fat, which is like... It used to be only the richest of rich people that were fat, you know? So if you think partners are fucking inadequacies and put it on other people, we say, well, I'm not self-made, but he's less self-made than me. It's not my fault I'm like this. It's not his fault he's like that, you know? Like, just fucking the most, it's ubiquitous. Everyone does this shit. And our culture is like totally cool with it because uh, like, like fucking Bernie, for example, you know, um, he's three fucking houses in a supercar, you know? Like, what the, it's relative, it's all relative. It's always, well, I'm not winning in my specific group of people that I uh, tend to occupy. So I'm going to attack that I'm on top of everyone. Like even the poorest people in the world have it better than third world, you know? So uh, we'll go Ryan. And then if you guys want to put some numbers in the chat. Right. So next, yeah, uh, we get it. Donald Trump's got a lot of advantages um, and you guys hammered on some of the stuff I want to say, but you know who else has a lot of very similar advantages that Trump had? The lottery winners. Somebody just got like a billion and a half recently, but there's a lot of these lottery winners that are getting more than a million dollars to start with. And what do they do? Increase the money that they are given. In fact, I looked it up on the National Endowment for Financial Education, 70% of lottery winners go bankrupt. So to say that Donald Trump had an advantage is obvious, but to say that anyone can take what opportunities hit, because they're not in the same position. They think they could just because they don't know. They've never been there. But if you don't know anything about managing money, especially if you've never had a million dollars in the bank account, most of people don't have a thousand bucks to their name. Yeah, the average American, especially the older generation, plays a set of tires. They couldn't do it. So they think they know more than the billionaire that managed to convince half the country to elect them. I don't buy it. Um, now, Kylie Jenner is interesting. I guess we are going to talk a little bit better. Um, I got a couple of strange things to say about her. One is Jeff Bezos' wife. <laughs> no one else that's going to become a billionaire except for her. And honestly, I'm really glad. Believe it or not, I'm not a sexist. Some people think that maybe. But I'm really happy that somebody in whatever capacity – built themselves i'm happy for her but if if it would have been bezel's wife it would have been an embarrassment to women um and i'm sure she did something but she's not self-made at all she picked the winner um and next she picked the winner um women don't run marathons they wait at the finish line and fuck the winners wow so, this is the most controversial, yes, for controversy. We've ever so here's shit. here's something that's gonna surprise a lot of people um i did watch the kardashians from time to time and there was an episode that really stuck with me um many many years ago i want to say Kyle were like 11 years old and forgive me all of the sjw twitter people but at the time i'm gonna use his name what it was bruce jenner at the time he was bruce jenner um he wanted the girls to learn some more responsibility so he asked them to go mow the lawn crazy to mow the yard so 
So Kylie Jenner and her sister found the Mexican landscaper that was um, already there working and they paid him 25 bucks each or whatever to go mow the lawn. So when he came back, he realizes how smart they were to go out and delegate the work while they sat in their asses and did nothing. And I remember sitting there watching it with my girlfriend and just thinking like, wow, you know, maybe this girl's going to go somewhere someday. Who know? I didn't, I know she'd be a billionaire, but at 12 years old, if you're thinking that way, you've got the potential to make something of yourself. A lot of advantages, the name recognition in Kardashian, which goes back, you know, to the OJ Simpson trial where Robert Kardashian originally put the name on the map. Um, but most people given the opportunity would fuck it up. So do you so think we should be looking at cool. like distance traveled rather than, so if I would say in this case, you'd probably be, I would respect a person more yeah. who goes from like a third world country to middle 1% to one tenth of 1%. Yeah. I mean, right? we, all so love, I guess we all love the heroes. The relative. Yeah. You, know, you want to see somebody like rise up from nothing. But I mean, if anybody can provide value and to benefit their society, we should be celebrating it. And, and there's too much crab in the buying their own laziness or inaction. There's, there's plenty of people that have done amazing things and had all sorts of disadvantages. And a lot of times disadvantages can work out to be advantages. It's all about the right mindset. But most people are pretty content just having what they have. And that's why lottery winners don't build anything or stupid shit. Um, and there's a lack of financial education in this country. That's probably a huge part of the problem. And if you need help with that, you can have it. Alan. So uh, I, have a, I have a couple things. Um, uh, First, I think, I don't think it's right that it's all relative. I think there are constants and there are variables. Um, I was talking about before with the Goldilocks zone. For instance, um, I've also called this in the past the, the zone of sufficient sensitivity. If you're, let's say, more anxiety prone than uh, the average, that can be a powerful motivator and that can, that can motivate you to do lots of things. But if you're very anxiety prone, I mean, extremely very destructive. So there is a, uh, when you're talking about, um, you know, it's, it's all relative, the movement from, from uh, you know, lower class to middle class or middle class to upper class, whatever it is. I don't think that's quite right because there are, there are constants there. There are certain things. You, it's, it's like uh, I think Chris was talking about before. There are certain safety nets which you can get once you're at a certain level or if you're born into that level that you just can't rely on at the lower level. So all relative. As to uh, James's question, uh, is Donald Trump a self-made man? I think ostensibly the answer is no. I think that's, that's perfectly obvious that he's not as, you know, he didn't start at, let's say, rock bottom. He didn't start with nothing. Uh, however, I don't know if that's really the relevant question. Uh, there is definitely, uh, Ryan brought up the thing of lottery winners. Now, I, I will say that lottery winners are not the same as someone, you know, if you win a million dollars or being given that from your parents because you already, that, that's not looking at, at all of the safety nets that you already have. Maybe you have a, a, a solid bank account, maybe you have great credit, maybe you have, I mean, any number of things. You have, let's say, a, a lower class citizen um, who, who suddenly wins a million dollars. So that's, I don't think that's quite the same. Uh, however, I would say if you look at uh, Donald Trump's life, a few things become clear, which is that he's managed to take a lot of risk, which a lot of people wouldn't take. He's managed to make a lot of money, which a lot of people in that position wouldn't make. Now, I'm not not a, this is not a, necessarily a defense. I'm not talking about the morality of it because he's obviously taken a number of shortcuts and uh, let's say uh, some suspicious, morally suspicious uh, moves as black and white um, as, as all that. That's, that's fair. Uh, Chris? Uh, yeah, I have um, started taking notes here so I, I can give credit where credit is due. Uh, first thing I'm going to do is Address uh, James's question: Is Donald Trump self-made man? 
in whatever kind of definition that you want to use because it seems a little bit malleable. Donald Trump was born on third base or Donald Trump was born in between third base and home base. He was really, he, he must have, he would have had to try really hard to fuck things up uh, in, in, order, in order to not be successful. It is I think a lot of the animus, a lot of the envy that, uh, that, that Ryan was, was, was talking about um, towards, um, towards someone like, like the, how does someone get to a position on, third, on, on that third base? And it comes down to primarily, in my view, it would come down to you know family, the success of one's family, the people that came before you, and appreciation for for all that they did to get you there, and the society that you're a part of. And um, I'm really glad, um, and, and this may seem like a cop out answer, I'm really glad to be in a society where someone can take a million dollars and then make a billion dollars out of it through primarily value creation, um, and not through extraction and not through manipulation or coercion. And I think that's something that that for value creation, as some kind of fixed sum, as it's as it's as it's there's like some divine ordination that it has to be this fixed amount of value in the world and that everyone who, who creates value is taking from this value pie. Um, people kind of get, get caught up in the fact that um, someone else gaining has to be someone else's loss uh, as opposed to some kind of voluntary interaction, which both people uh, are more or less better off. And I'll just touch upon briefly um, the idea of the self-made individual and the hero's journey it really comes down to one's time horizon and how long that is. Because if you, if, you, if you get to the hero's journey and the hero's going through hardship and it's in the full story, and I think the, the importance is perspective in terms of how, how long you have to make a difference to become a self-made individual um, is, 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 in my view, it's, it's a process that is, is always kind of continuing. It's, it's hard to see people are changing all the time. But I think if you take a step back and you get appreciation for the long term as opposed to living in the moment, only thinking about the next thing, uh, then you can kind of lose sight of that. And I'll just make one last note on individualism, which is kind of the idea of the self-made rugged individual, um, and that is individualism uh, throughout the world all at the same time. Individualism was a, was a post-enlightenment kind of virtue. Um, you, you, I'll, I'll, of course, uh, tout, tout the U.S. of A. in, in, in really getting that started. So, sorry, Benji. Uh, but I, I think if you were to, I think if you were to look at, 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 at what is required of, of to create value and the freedom to kind of bequeath privileges, you know, onto your children. Um, you have to look up, look upon society as a whole. So it, it is, it, it is kind of, it, it's, it's a false dichotomy because people either want to say it's, um, it's all nurture or it's all nature of, of your environment. And of course, I mean, the, the truth is it's somewhere, somewhere in the middle. Um, I happen to be of the variety that it's geared more towards uh, in, individual action. Uh, but you have to, you have to really, really emphasize the fact that. Um, you know, freedom, freedom without some kind of prerequisite leads to some kind of very, very um, subpar outcome. And you can, you can look at that, uh, as, uh, as Ryan was saying, 70% of people that win a lottery don't end up uh, keeping that money for very long. Um, and once again, you have to, you have, to have some, some kind of perspective, not only your time horizon on the individual's life, but also the, the meaningful freedom to do more or less meaningful things. All right, so we're going to go James, me, Alan, Brad. So at the very end there, Chris, it sounds like you're kind of expanding the, the definition of what it, of what it, what it could be to be a self-made person. Uh, uh, so, so far, we've been focusing on like the economic side of it, uh, but there, there is a lot of like the kind of hero's, hero's journey cycle. Um, and so that's, that's actually part of, that's why, I, that's why I framed the question about Donald Trump as the two-part question. So the first part is, is he a self-made man? And then the second part is, is he on his hero's journey? answers to both of those you could say you know he he's not a self-made man but maybe he's on a hero's journey um and i think i think really to answer that question you would have to look at uh you would have to look at more factors than just what's in helen mentioned something you, you said something about a zone of sensitivity helen sufficient zone of sufficient sensitivity is that, is that what he said i think it's so it looks to be frozen. yeah i think he's frozen okay so I, I was thinking about that i was thinking about um to me, it does seem like Donald Trump inserts himself into a zone of sufficient 
sensitivity. Looks like Alan's back. Um, and he, he, does, uh, he does this thing where he kind of situates himself in front of a mist with, you know, everything like that. He's been doing it his whole life. Yeah, uh, so he situates himself in the public eye, and then somehow he, he manages to kind of riff off the information that's going back and forth. And he's, he, he is attuned in, in some way to the information that's going back and forth. And he's, he's not the most rational person. He, you know, he's not the keen. His, his speeches are not very linear. They're not very rational. But somehow he's able to tap into some kind of information flow and use that to his advantage, right? So, so that would be, in my view, that'd be a, a mark in his favor for saying that he's on a hero's journey. Um, and I think it makes sense that Curtis and a performer uh, so, so in that sense, it kind of makes sense to me. Um, I probably wouldn't say he's self-made, uh, but, but yeah, so it's, it's interesting to think about those two things. Like you could be self-made and you could not be on a hero's journey or you could be on a hero's journey and you could not be self-made. Um, yeah, so, yeah. Let's see. Hmm. So that, I guess, I mean, I think it's by, by any definition whatsoever, there's no chance that he's self-made, but I don't think that in the first place, right? Just in the same sense that, uh, nobody is, it's no one's fault that they're born in poverty. It's also not anyone's fault that they're born rich and we shouldn't hold it against and that's, I mean, that's nothing but jealousy at work. Now, uh, Hero's Journey, why? I don't know. So the, the issue, I don't know that this is necessarily an issue, but the observation that I have, almost no concern. I, I'm, almost, I'm fairly convinced that the entire reason he's doing all of this is simply because he has nothing else to do. Like the, impl younger, uh, the implication that I always got from what he's done with his life is that he's so... He's been uh, brought up in such a way and was probably intelligent or at least capable of a high level of operation that he's bored. Uh, I don't think that, uh, imagine, I mean, imagine being born with everything and being the type of person where that shit doesn't matter to you. I don't think that he's necessarily on the nihilism in, in kind of a really, really complex form of hedonism where it's, I'm just going to put on a show. I'm just going to play the game for the sake of playing the game. But I don't know. He's a very high level psychopath. Like, the kind of manipulation that he's capable of, and I mean, most politicians are high-level psychopaths in any any form. Um, Bernie probably isn't. I would say Bernie is very compath. She's compar I would say she's a comparable psychopath to Trump. Um, he's the other side of the coin of Trump. Yeah. Well, that's what that. that uh, this isn't super on topic, but she's kind of like the. There's a Jordan Peterson talks about playing games. They play the game forever, and because he's played that game, we get AOC as the counterpoint to what he's doing. Right, the equal and opposite reaction of media manipulation, social media uh, manipulation, uh, pop, looking at them as like character figures in the public eye and the kind of people behind it. So I can't, I really, really, really don't think he's on a hero's journey because I really think he has almost no investment in the outcome other than, um, and that's the difference between, um, I just say, you don't see heroic types in politics almost. I, and I would say the people that we think are heroic types are really fat so that you vote for them. Uh, the nature of politics seems to be such that, or at least the nature of politics as they are in the last century, seems to be such that they do not be a creative person, and the political type tends to be much more like second order, third order person than a first order actor who's creating things. Uh, who's next? I think. Let's go. Okay. Um, well. No, uh, it's okay. No, I just that. added a new element to what I was gonna or what I was thinking about. But um, th there seems to be an element to the the whole uh, calling somebody a, a self-made. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. I know I should have muted that, but 
um, there's an, there's an element in the background that that affects the whole dynamic uh, to qualify them as one or the other, uh, or, or stumble into a lucky opportunity and don't make the most of it because of personal inadequacy or because of a, a negative, uh, short-sighted mindset. You know, that's that's an element that puts them in that category. A guy like Trump might qualify for um, self-made status if you if you're more concerned with maximizing the potential uh, from the position of the hero's journey part. Well, you know. He's a guy doing things. There's nothing particularly heroic or particularly unique about his situation. There are a lot of people at his social level that, that sort of uh, do seemingly random things because they've um, so the uh, the um, the element to, to the whole the larger dynamic uh, isn't as obvious. You know that will that will ultimately put somebody in that category of self-made. Where I'm going with this, the the the. Uh, the high, like you made a, a comment about high-level high level psychopaths in government. The successful ones seem to be the ones that have the sensitivity to ride the situation as long as they can do very convenient things at very convenient times in fairly ham-fisted ways. Uh, like that's definitely my impression of AOC, that a lot of things happen and it's sort of like getting hit in the big and over the top at a moment where it might be better to be subtle. You know, uh, I haven't seen many what I would term subtle moves from her so far, but Trump does... Uh, a slightly better that smirk it's that that um you know sensitivity thing that he does so so uh the, the situational um dynamic it, it contributes a lot um to to say uh chris you want to jump on that sure um and i mean i'm looking forward to 20 minutes after this 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 episode posting to aoc's epic clapback to uh misogynist oh, garrett so daly uh, on twitter Sixty thousand, sixty thousand likes and twenty thousand retweets careers are officially over uh but i i, I will I, I will say very very briefly um that we're talking about self-made man it's not a question of who is a self-made man it's a question of what is self-made i think that's that's where people kind of get kind of get caught up and it's a very similar phenomenon that you see with Trump, because people that like what what, what it, like what is Trump? Well, Trump Trump has that attitude, that swagger against the media, against you know journalist class, against the, the academics, the technocrats. Um, he he he's the embodied left tends to focus on Trump as as an actual person, as an actual individual. He has these moral shortcomings. He has done X, Y, and Z. He's grabbed one by the P, and you know all, all these all these you know you know bad things. Um, and it, it's that out in um in this kind of self-made man debate is. Is the fact that um, we're not really quite sure on, on the terms going in. I mean, it's like true in any kind of political debate. Um, anytime a, a, a term like "self-made man" is used or "privilege" is used, no one is necessarily that we're all on the same page. Um, and, and as a side note, uh, we're talking about self-made men. Um, the, the appeal of self-made men, when as something that kind of transcends geography and society, and we talked about uh, you know poor immigrant coming over here and and rising to the middle class or something, really making something of themselves. That that is a that is a but it matters what they do. Um, and it's that what question versus the who that, that, that is, I think, the important kind of distinction going forward. Yeah, Benji? Welcome to your media where we do not talk not, politics, I, really I swear. I know, I know, I know. So oh, no, no, so I was just being... Oh, yeah, yeah, no, there is a difference. Oh, no, no, it's like, there's a difference between, like, talking politics and politics. Yeah, no, um, I've changed my mind of what I said before. Because I think we're talk when we're talking, like, people like Donald Trump and um, Kylie Jenner, I think, I think at least I'm confusing what being a self-made person is and what success is. Obviously, I think being self-made is achieving success with little to no resources, with little to no help, purely on your own because of you. I'm following that definition for now. I think Kylie Jenner and Donald Trump are not self-made. They are successful. 
they leveraged the resources they had, the network they had. Um, they were able to use the powers of scale to their advantage, any they've got, unless they stole. But they are not self-made because they had all the, the resources, they had all the networks, so they didn't do it alone. Whereas a self-made person is close to alone on the same level, you know, so it's my image of now of a self-made person, like throughout all this conversation has changed because a self-made person is the person who, out of basically nothing, where, where there's, I mean, everybody knows that this is the networks. If you have all your underlying ingredients or the infrastructure, you can go and build something. Obviously, you can become successful. Not everybody can, obviously. Not everybody becomes a billionaire from a millionaire. That's why both, both of them, the ones which ingredients on the table, cleaned, washed, cut, they only had to mix them in. Obviously, they made, they made the final meal, but they already had all the meat, more or less the ingredients all set out. Whereas a self-made person will have to plant the tomatoes and once, uh, build a fire to, to heat it all up, uh, make a ceramic pot to mix it. You know, so it's like both of them are making a meal, but some people already they're already in the kitchen with all the ingredients laid out, washed and cut, and the other ones had to grow the ingredients out. Of um, basically, they grew up close to nothing, and they're self-made because they managed to make their plate, make their bowl, uh, grow the ingredients, uh, grow this, hunt, uh, hunt the animal to get the meat. So, so I'm I, guess, I mean, the question that I would ask at this point is it. Or maybe not a question. I guess the, the issue seems to be whether it, I don't think it really matters whether people are saying not self-made claim that somehow. And a yeah. lot of politicians, especially, will say shit like that because it appeals to the lower class, middle class people who, you know, and kind of like even saying, oh, well, I did it. You can do it, too. And I think that sells to like this really kind of. Sells to uh, everyone. Yeah, but there's a specific there's a specific group of people that it sells to more because there's the middle upper, uh, the middle people because they feel like they could, I, I don't know, there's, or at least there's something like a portion of the educated classes that find that very distasteful and they attack the thing because they didn't or whatever. Um, Chris or Alan, I forget who's next. Um, Let Alan talk. I, 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 yeah, Alan, I'll, I'll just say, mention a couple things. Um, one is that um, you know, I don't have a good memory for the details, but there was a study, a big study on happiness, which was done and what they found was that income did correlate with happiness, but with diminishing returns. So at the time, so it was probably changed thousand, every little bit made a big difference. And then after that, it, you got these diminishing returns where the difference between 30,000 and 60,000 was, was a lot bigger than the difference between them. There is this sense in which it's not totally relative that you know once you're up in the, the millions making you know, 10 million or 20 million is the, the, because of the, the physical uh, limitations. You know, there's certain things which you can buy. You can get a better home if you can be safer. There are certain things which um, uh, are... are. And, and then another thing is, one of the ways in which, in which things are not relative is that if you're born into, let's say, privilege, uh, some, some, if you're born into the upper class, if you're born into not only, let's say, just the, the pure economics, let's say just what your, your finances are, but it's also, for instance, you've got a network of people. Now, I don't know in my profession has come from my peers and from the people around me. Um, and, and also watching successful people in my field, right? Now, if you're very, uh, you don't know many people who are successful. And that, that's it. I, mean, I think that's a, a massive difference. Is that if you don't have the model of what success looks like, it's a lot harder to, um, to um, uh, you know. Uh, I, I just I want to push back against the, the sort of relativist. Uh, All right. So uh, Chris James Ryan.
Yeah, I, I don't mean to speak too much about this, but since uh, since Benji disparaged God Emperor Trump, um, I, I am left with with no other options. This is this is this is your reckoning, Benji. Uh, no, I, I I will just say um, the, the distinction between six one. I think that we had we had overlooked. But notice um, notice when whenever this is brought up, because it's like it's usually in the in the current year when people are talking about self made men, it's usually in the immediately disparaging kind of way, where it's like, well, you're not a self made man. Um, and I think. It's, it's, it's a confusion of terms, once again, um, which is something I, I brought up a little bit earlier, and that is missions aren't entirely clear. And what you get is if you probe people a little bit, you start realizing that um, success itself is, is disparaged because it is a product of privilege. So it, it's all kind of, it's, it, this, um, and, it's, and it's, it kind of relies upon this idea um, that I would argue that value is, is essentially finite. Um, and you, there's no such thing as actually creating value. Value can only be kind of appropriated from, from one group to another. And the accumulation of this value will... So I want to jump on that before we go to James, because I was going to talk about that last time and I forgot. Uh, well, that, I, that's one of the fundamental delusions. Uh, I mean, that's just that only people doing labor produce value and labor is the basis of where value comes from. Whereas, I mean, that's fucking stupid. You know, it's like there's, there's nobody that works. Let's say the Tesla factory, because I'll talk about what I know. I, being the person that wires the batteries for Teslas together, if I didn't work there and was not trained to operate on Tesla out of my ass, right? It's not, there's, my labor is A, replaceable, and B, not where the value that Tesla produces comes from, right? So we need to stand if you want to go like the dropshipping dudes route, you know, it's scarcity versus abundance mindset. Scarcity mindset is people think there's a finite, uh, a zero sum amount of money in the world. But if you look at this, not the case, right? If I... Uh, for example, uh, factory reference, right? If I go and invent or innovate some way of doing my job better, right? And my this machine, I've you know increased some amount of value on some level by 10%, right? And there's now more value than there was to begin with because of the increase in efficiency, right? It's not understand about how efficiency works. You know, uh, once whoever invented the wheel increased the efficiency of moving things by some massive, massive factor, it's not like they're either a novel idea or an increase you know innovation on pre-existing ideas so that's that's where i see a lot of the issue and a lot of the hate comes from uh, people that aren't or are not creative and resent that fact james yeah yeah that was, that was great um i'm also i'm also really really uh distrustful of the the whole labor theory of value and people get really preoccupied with it i mean they that's what they, you know, that's what they tweet about. That's what they think about during their day to day. Um, I mean, I, I, I got in in college. I worked for two years at a, at a um, like a bookstore, the university campus bookstore. And that was really, it was a purgatorial job. It was so boring and horrible. And like the whole time I'd be like calculating how many cents I was making per minute, really what life is about, you know, that. And, and so people, people give this, um, this, this labor value, like um, they put it on a pedestal and what they miss when they do that is they miss like, like you said, the more, the more spontaneous forms of value that can emerge and develop. Um, and I think if you just actually focus your attention yourself and your environment, and you can kind of leverage your environment in different little ways, it could be, as, it could be like just, you know, making friends, or it could be making a professional, establishing a professional relationship, or any, these little things like this on a moment-by-moment basis. If you're, if you're looking at adding value to your environment and to your the stasis and just how open-ended that really is, and if you bring like an inventive spirit to that constantly, I mean, that, uh, that's like so much more profound than the whole, you know, being, being stuck on, you know, questions like income and, and labor value and stuff like that. It's so much more pro in, in that kind of, in that kind of lifestyle. And I, I think uh, like, 
I think that's, that, that would be like a recommended course of action for anybody who's feeling like super depressed and nihilistic about, you know, uh, you know, the, the income disparity and that kind of thing. So, yeah, I was just going to say briefly, like, I think part of the issue with a lot of the labor theory of value shit is that a, these people don't actually do labor and they don't understand stupid ass jobs that are labor based. I've worked in two factories, you know, like my, I am utterly replaceable, you know? Um, but yeah, so it's a lot of it's people who spend their time thinking where they think, you know, they're not actually creating stuff. They're just analyzing or commenting on stuff. So that's, that's my take. People Brian. often think about what they don't have. So you want to make X amount of dollars by someday. And what's your plan when you do? Cause so many people are thinking, I want this. I want to be there. And believe it or not, some people actually get to these points. Million dollars. I mean, you're going to sit on the beach the rest of your life, drink margaritas. Cause I mean, that's pretty much being a rich homeless person. You're just an alcoholic on the beach now. So back to what, what, yeah, so I mean, if you can say pretty fun. Uh, but back to Alan's study, I young Jamie didn't kind of looked up something that I think was the study he was talking about. And um, it's interesting what they said. So the actual numbers on the happiness is the ideal number for happiness is 60. Um, and I mean, it's, it's plenty. But what's interesting is that's a very attainable number for like someone with any amount of skill. Uh, without a college degree, you should be able to, if you work your ass off, build something that could make this. With a college degree, you don't make but what's also interesting was that once you reach around 95,000, you start losing happiness. And I think I understand why this is. Um, they hint at it a little bit in the article, but the idea is that you start getting into different social stressors and you're not comparing it's going to be a bigger fish. Uh, the other thing is you might alienate some of your older friends that are making less and they might get resentful of you. Um, and there's one more point I want to touch on real quick where you mentioned how people that don't make money, they don't have access to wealthy people and thus the knowledge that they have. Maybe they don't have access to these people, but you can always introduce yourself, talk to them, reach them somehow. If you're in a position where you need to understand this shit and your family, your friends are all dirt poor and they just, they don't know anything, go up to one of these guys, offer to buy them lunch or dinner for you, but they'll be blown away by the gesture because nobody in that kind of situation is going to come up to a rich guy and offer to buy them dinner. No one offers to buy a rich people dinner unless they got a corporate credit card. So what will happen is in that situation, you're going to get told crazy shit or the steak dinner is going to cost you, which most likely is nothing. Um, that's my two cents on it. And if you don't have a clue of what I'm talking about here, you need to find these people because it's really hard to go through life not understanding um, the way a rich person thinks because they're not working hourly jobs. So they, they've got their time divorced from their money. And that's one of the big game changers. And they can help you understand that further. Um, Alan. Um, a couple of things. First, I just want to say, Ryan, if, if you have that study pulled up, maybe we can, we can post the, the name yeah, of it or something um, like that. It's from money.com. It was done by Purdue researchers. Uh, the title is, this is the amount of money you need to be happy, according yeah. to research. Yeah. Not the greatest title <laughs> in the world, but yeah. Yeah, so I, I mean, there, there are a couple of things. I think, one, you know, people often say money can't buy happiness. But you know, another way to look at that is which will help you be happy, right? So if you have more money, you can buy, let's say, tutors to help you learn things, or you can buy the resources to uh, help you progress along a, a certain skill or journey. So, you know, as, as it seems like we're, we're going to start wrapping up, probably what, what this needs is something very declarative, but uh, my contrarian nature, I would like, um, I think it's very difficult to make any kind of broad generalizations uh, about success or either playing the game or what motivates who or how you get from, from zero to nothing or what, what the role of privilege is because I think people are very, very different and what motivates you motivates you. Maybe it's a positive reinforcement that motivates you. Um, 
I, I just don't think it's quite that, uh, I don't think it's easy to, to, to make any kind of about these things. So that's, that's all I want to say is, I don't, I don't think there's any, any objective way to, to look at this. Um, I think there's just, you have to judge for yourself what, what will get you, let's say, in the right direction and hopefully adding value. Yeah. So a uh, couple things that I want to hit for the viewer. Um, two books. The, the best book about money I've ever read, I read recently, uh, and I've managed this. Um, the Total Money Makeover by Dave Ramsey. Dave Ramsey is a motherfucking genius. Um, he, that book, he will explain all of the myths and reasons why most Americans use plan that will get you out of debt. It is probably the best investment you can ever make in a book because it will totally change the way that you look at stuff like credit cards, school loans, house loans, all of that shit. Um, this isn't necessarily as authentic. I think there's some evidence to suggest that Robert Kiyosaki uh, did not in fact actually have a rich dad, but it's still pretty good advice. Uh, and it teaches generating types of people that there's a vastly, vastly different mindset that they have as far as how money works versus what you've been brought up to believe by American culture. And if you're raised with parents, the, there's a person, a buddy of mine who I had a falling out with, but who was excellent, excellent, excellent with money. Uh, he took a bunch of accounting courses and he got him, I think he paid off something like that. So go learn basic accounting, go learn basic finance stuff. You know, the, if you're going to be a self-made man, go, you need to learn how money works and you can't just figure that. Should anyone have any other closing stuff they'd like to hit? Cause otherwise we'll go to plugs. Chris, shoot. Yeah. I'll just say having, um, having an abundance mentality is going to be key going forward and you can, and it's just. Because there are many different ways to be successful. There are many definitions of success. But the first thing you have, to, you have to kind of realize is that you can be successful or more successful than when you started. And that's this kind of idea of relentless self-impressed and not, not to anybody else. And as soon as you start comparing yourself to everybody else, that's when the jealousy and the envy kind of sets in. But I, I will just leave the viewer or listener with just an interesting tidbit. If you want to find something interesting, go to uh, Google uh, World, uh, Gross World Pro has basically been doubling worldwide every 20 years. So there, there's been an explosion of value created even over the last century. Um, it's, it's basic, it's, it's absolutely insane actually. It's increased 70 fold over the past, essentially before the, the very end of it, which was the rise of the internet, connecting with people and really, really tapping into markets and implementing your value in, in useful ways. So I'll, I'll just say that as, as my last kind of leading part. Abundance mentality, whether in relationships or life. Or Cool, Alan. Yeah, so I, I just, I didn't, I didn't want to leave it with um, just that little pessimistic thing. So here's something optimistic. I, I, I think that although it is difficult to figure out, you know, what rock bottom is, all these things, they're, they're, they're vague and, and ambiguous. The one thing which you can definitely control is your effort and your direction. And so wherever you are, you can, as you're moving in the positive direction, I think you can at least rely on that. Yeah, effort, attitude, educate yourself. Um, all right, let's go to plugs. Ryan, you want to plug your books and stuff, website? You're muted. I'm unmuted. All right. My big book is Reclaiming Manhood. My debut is, is The uh, Young Gentleman's Guide to Straightening Out Their Life. Um, yeah, rock on, man. And then on Gumroad, I've got a new one out called How to uh, Unfuck Your Bertizer on Facebook. But it's uh, – <laughs> so there's one mistake. Um, Anyway, it will help you build a personal brand. Uh, DM me if you can't find it. Pat Simonis on Twitter, Instagram, whatever. Cool, Chris. Uh, Masculinity in the 21st Century, a primer uh, featuring uh, Garrett, Benji, and myself. So if you enjoyed any of us three for even a little bit, I guarantee you'll, you'll get a lot of value out of that book. Um, and uh, yeah, hopefully part of a series. Uh, so if, if the first primer book strikes you as pretty basic introductory kind of stuff, I guarantee you as the series progresses. Uh, cool.
James, you're on mute. Yeah, got you. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I don't. Uh, I'm not really selling anything right now. So cool. Yeah, Benji. Yeah, um, I don't know. My blog, benjamingjw.com. Uh, sign to my email list. Uh, I've actually got more email subscribers than I expected. I launched it. I launched today. Uh, new emails every week uh, whenever nice. I write them. Alan. Uh, I don't have anything at the moment, but got a podcast in the works and a couple books, so I expect you'll you'll see those in the coming coming weeks or months. Nice, Brad. Uh, come see me at sicknesskungfu.com on Twitter and Facebook at sicknesskungfu. Um, awesome. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, lots of high quality Naruto memes. Uh, <laughs> only the best. <laughs> the only the best. Uh, for me, we got uh, five pills recently went down because we have the paperback available on Amazon. Um, additionally, uh, Master Self Year One is available, and also my website, masterthyself.com, which is called Master Self, uh, seems like no.com for the sake of clarity. So, with that being said, uh, thank you for joining us. I hope you uh, endure the uh, fact that we're all virulent, misogynist, sexist, ableist, or something. I don't know, whatever. Insert. Uh, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not. <laughs> yeah. not me. Not me. Clap back imminent. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, send this to, uh, to Cortez. <laughs> but remember, remember, uh, AOC yeah. is not That's AJ. That's that happened. That's just that. so funny, man. All right. With that being said, have a good night, y'all. Thanks, everyone. Adios.